0: You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. We started a sermon uh, last Sunday morning, a sermon series last Sunday morning called Restore to Me. Uh, What it looks like to start over, and maybe a lot of you here today, and you think, man, if I could just press the restart button. And I could reset some things that are broken in my life. If, if only God could restore some things that were just not right, that, that were off, that were broken in my, in my world, in my life, in my experience. And so last week we began the series, we continued this morning. Let me, let me just begin this morning with the question that we asked last Sunday morning. And here's the simple question, you see it on the screen behind me. What needs to be restored in your life? Now just consider that. For a moment. Maybe something comes to mind immediately. Maybe you need to think that through for a few moments. What needs to be restored or revived or be made new in your life? Last week I gave you some, some options just to kind of help us think through these things together. I'll put those same options back, back on the screen. Maybe what needs to be restored in your life is just a, a sense of joy or a promise of joy. Because you know there there used to be in your life. A joy that held you and a joy that you held on to during difficult days. But somewhere down the line that that joy last year, last season, two semesters ago, that the joy's just not there anymore. Uh, Maybe it's not joy, maybe it's it's freedom. There was once a freedom that you experienced, a freedom that you enjoyed, and then you got addicted. Or a stronghold took hold, and you just can't shake free from it. Maybe it's just the basic thought of your walk with Jesus needing to be restored, revived, reset. Because you remember a day in your life where you walked with Jesus, that you longed to walk with him, longed to talk to him, longed to hear from him, but not anymore. Maybe life has gotten busy. Maybe you've grown a little apathetic to that walk with Christ. Maybe for a lot of us in this house, that's what needs to be restored. Uh, maybe it's your marriage. Maybe your marriage just feels like one big struggle of frustration and, and bitterness and blame shifting and hurt maybe that's what needs to be restored in, in this place or some marriages just to, to press the restart button a reset button in the presence of God maybe for you it's, it's self-control and or, or discipline you're now controlled by something else it seems or controlled by someone else it seems and it feels like you've grown powerless to say no the self-control that was once there that the discipline that was once there it's it's just no longer there and this is where you would ask the Lord to, to bring a restoration in your life maybe for a lot of us in this house it's purity we've made some terrible mistakes we've crossed a lot of lines sexually we've just constantly given ourselves over to pornography we've, we've seen things that we wish we had never seen we, we've done things and we wish we'd never done those things and there's a cry in your heart for restoration of just a purity, of holiness, of being clean in the presence of the Lord. Maybe it's a relationship that needs to be restored with a friend, a, a coworker, a roommate, a neighbor. And somewhere down the line, that, that relationship was, was wounded, it was fractured. And, but you long so much for that friendship, that relationship to be Restored specifically, maybe it's a relationship with your parent, uh, with a parent, with your mom, your dad, or with a child, your son or your daughter. And again, maybe you said something, maybe something was said to you. And the relationship's just not the same as it used to be. Or maybe it's not even that nefarious. Maybe it's, you're just busy. And so busy, you've disconnected from your parents. So busy, you've disconnected from your kids. But you want that restored. you you want that revived. You want that renewed. Maybe it's a restoration of grace in your life or a restoration of, of being patient in your life. You've just grown graceless. You've grown more and more impatient toward others. You, you trigger quickly. You you're, you're, you're anger quickly toward others. There used to be a, a place in your heart of grace toward others, a place in your heart of, of patience toward others, but somehow, somewhere down the line, it's just no longer there. Maybe it's godly wisdom that you want restored in your life. You used to practice and operate in godly wisdom, but instead now you're operating with worldly wisdom. And you look back on 2019, and it was just one bad choice after another bad choice after another bad choice. So what needs to be restored in your life? There's some words that older Christians use there are some practices that our spiritual forefathers and our spiritual foremothers practiced. They relied upon these words. They, they practiced these words and, and in the practice of these words, their, their heart grew deep for the Lord. And in practicing some of these words or practicing this word I'm thinking of, they'd aligned their lives with, with God's best. There was a, a depth in their heart there was a power in their lives and these things that they they practised it just brought them it seems like wholeheartedly into the presence of God and so maybe for, for us since we don't perhaps practice these words anymore perhaps we become shallow and powerless. And so we begin to align our lives with what we want and not necessarily with what God desires of us. One of those words I'm thinking of is repentance. I mean, it's just not a word we talk about much anymore in the circle of churches. It's just a word we don't practice much anymore or rely upon anymore. But our our spiritual forefathers, they did And they found life and power and depth because of it. Can I give you a definition of of repentance this morning? Here's my simple definition. Repentance is a change of heart, a change of mind that results in a change of action. So a lot of change. It's a heart change. It's it's, it's a mind change that then leads to, it culminates into a, a change of behavior, a change of action. It's a change in every way on every Level, But listen, it is a change in you, not a change of jobs, not a change of spouses, not a change of friends, not a change of circumstances, but like a deep change in every level in your life. It's a, it's a change where change needs to take place in us. And that's our heart, heart change, a mind change, and then a action change. Here's the roadmap, if you will, this morning of, of repentance. Just three quick things you might wanna look at or consider with me. First of all, repentance is the recognition of our sin for what it is. That we rightly understand what sin does in our lives. We rightly understand a recognition of what sin really does in our relationship with God and even rightly understand what sin does in our relationships with one another. So, a recognition of our sin for for what it is, and what is it? It's missing the mark. It's being off standard from God's best, from God's word, from God's will for our lives. Most of us, in, in this time, we we don't like to consider our sin. We don't want to recognize sin for what it is and for what it does. And so, we do one of two things. We first of all, we either we try to change Scripture to fit our lifestyle. Or secondly, we love to compare ourselves with people who have greater sin so that we come out shining, looking like we're on top of things. We don't wanna recognize sin for, for what it truly is in our lives and so we'll change up scripture or we'll just always put ourselves in juxtaposition to others and compare our lives to people who we think live worse than we do. The repentance begins with the recognition of of sin for what it really is, and then it's followed by this heartfelt sorrow, this this grief over breaking God's heart, this grief over breaking God's law, this grief over the pain that we have brought to others, even grief over the pain we brought to ourselves. So it's a recognition of sin for what it is, and it leads to, followed by this heartfelt sorrow, and then it's culminating then in this change of behavior because we recognize sin because we're grieving over that sin there's, there's a change in the way we live our lives there's a change in our actions we, we start doing what God has called us to do and we stop doing what God has called us to stop that's repentance the, the poster boy for repentance is the prodigal son I mean, this guy went to dad and said, hey, I want all my money now. I don't want to wait till your funeral. I want it now. And so the dad gives him all the money and he goes out and lives a life of self-centered foolishness. Extravagant sensuality. And through the parties and through the scenes with the girls and through all these friendships, he just, he loses it all. He loses it all. And in Luke 15, The Bible tells us that this prodigal son, Jesus tells us in this story, that his prodigal son ends up in a pig pen, so hungry that he's battling the pigs for food. And scripture's really interesting. It says here, Jesus says, and this boy came to his senses, considered himself unworthy of even being a servant in his father's house, and then got up and returned home. He came to his senses. That's an awakening of the mind. That was a change of, of mind for him. He recognized sin for what it really was. I, I understand now I'm coming to my senses. I see what sin has done to me. And then the Bible says here, Jesus says here that he saw himself as not being worthy. That was a a sorrow, a heartfelt sorrow, and it came from, from deep within that change of heart that he had. I, I can't even be worthy to be called worthy of even serving as a servant in my father's house. But because he had a change of heart and a change of mind, you know what he did? He got up, a change of action. And he returned, he went back home. What about you? I mean, do you want more? Of God's power, more of God's peace in your life, more of God's grace? Do you want God's restoration in your life? Listen, not without repenting. Not without turning away from sin and turning toward Jesus. Every now and then I, I say something that, that I think might be worthy of you writing in the pages of your Bible. So here it comes. What I'm about to say I think is worthy enough. I mean, if you want to write it on You know, the tithe envelope you took in the back of the chair. You can write it there if you want to also. Or you can, you know, just memorize it or put it into your notes on your smartphone. But this actually might be a worthy statement to write in the back of your Bible. And here it is. God's grace flows to the place of repentance. God pours out grace from that well that does not run dry on those who Repent. His grace is abundant, is generous, is overflowing toward all who will say, I recognize my sin and I have this, this grief over my sin, this heartfelt sorrow over my sin and there will be a change. I am moving away from that and I'm moving toward Jesus. Grace always flows to the place of repentance and let me make this next statement right underneath that. Every good thing that God wants to give you comes down the path of Repentance. Every good thing that God wants to give you comes down the path of repentance. God's blessings, they come through repentance. So repentance is actually a good thing. We said this last week about brokenness. I know that none of us in this house we we want to be broken, yet brokenness is actually a good thing. Repentance is a good thing. It's not an easy thing, but it's a good thing. I mean, God's not reluctant to pour out on every heart here today that is repentant, his blessing, every good thing from God. But it comes through that funnel of heartfelt repentance before God. Repentance was the word that was on the lip, the lips of, of, of every good preacher in the Bible. And every Old Testament prophet, from, from Samuel to Isaiah to Jeremiah, they, they preached on repentance. Hosea and Joel and Amos and Obadiah and Micah, Nahum, they they preached on repentance. And John the Baptist comes on the scene, Matthew chapter 3, verse 2, and he's preaching on repentance. Then the disciples, they're they're sent out in in Mark chapter 6, verse 12, and they're told to preach a sermon of repentance. Then Peter stands up in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, and his sermon is about repentance, and 3,000 people are saved in this sermon on repentance. And the greatest preacher of all time, Jesus. Matthew chapter 4 verse 17 says that he preached a sermon of repentance. Why would every good preacher in the Bible preach on repentance? Because they all knew that God's blessing flows down the path of a heart that is repentant. So let's go to God's word together. Would you go with me please to 2 Corinthians and let's go to chapter seven together second corinthians chapter seven some of you probably knew that's exactly where we were headed second corinthians chapter seven let's go to verse verse eight together you know if you're relatively new to church or relatively new to opening up a bible it's in the new testament it's matthew mark luke john acts romans first corinthians and the second corinthians There's about eight books into the new testament 2 Corinthians, let's go to chapter seven together. This is Paul writing the church of Corinth just like God would be speaking to a church of Highland in Waco today. 2 Corinthians chapter seven, let's jump down to verse eight if you would. Let's read these two verses and we'll kind of unpack them together then read the next two verses and see what God says to us through his word today about repentance which leads to restoration. 2 Corinthians chapter seven, verse, verse eight For even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. For I see that the letter grieved you, though only for a while. As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief so that you suffered no loss through us. (laughs) Verse eight almost sounds like a riddle. It's Paul saying, sorry, not sorry. Like I... I, I, re, I regret it and I don't regret it. It's like when you go to your doctor and your doctor looks at you and goes, yeah, you've put on a lot of weight. You're gonna need to lose some weight. And you say, thanks, doc. I knew that and I hate you. And so thank you for saying that to me. And then you go and you lose weight and you feel better. And the doctor probably didn't like rejoice over telling you that you had some weight to lose. Yet now this doctor is rejoicing because you took that admonition, you took that direction, you took that encouragement and you did something with it. Uh, Maybe a a better analogy would be moms and dads. You know, when we, we discipline our kids and we say that old adage, this is gonna hurt me more than it hurts you. When you're a kid, you're like, no, that's a bunch of poop. It's not hurting you. (laughs) I'm about to have my bottom hit by a belt and you're saying you're gonna hurt more than I'm gonna hurt? No. I didn't believe it either as a third grader or fourth grader or fifth grader, all those years (laughs) i maybe further than that, but rightfully so. I'm sure my mom is live streaming. She remembers well. Until you became a parent. And you kind of understood finally what that expression means, because you grieve for your child when they're under the weight of your discipline. And yet you know that good discipline will lead your son, your daughter to good choices. This is what Paul is saying here. Like I I hated that I had to say this because I know it grieved you, but. But it only grieved you for a while. And in verse 9, Paul is going to qualify it a little bit more. In verse 9, he's going to say, I'm happy. Not that I grieved you, but that you were grieved to a point of turning around. You are grieved to a point of repentance. Paul says this is what godly grief is. Not just that you grieve and you, and you mope around and you stay in this holding pattern of, of sin. But, but Paul is saying this is good. This is good that you grieved because this grief led to a restoration. This grief that you had led to a repentance. This grief that you had, it led to a change. And isn't that why a lot of people are here today? Because they want to see a change in their heart, a change in their mind, a change in their life, a change in their action. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 10, for godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief, it just produces death. Worldly grief, by the way, is I'm sorry I got caught. Not I'm sorry I offended God or offended others. I'm just sorry I got caught. That's worldly grief. It produces death. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you. But also what eagerness to clear yourselves. What indignation. What fear. What longing. What zeal. What punishment. At every point you have proved yourselves innocent in the matter. Can I take those two verses and simply ask this question? and I've made it a personal pronoun for each of us today to own this question. Here's the question. How do I repent? How does the church repent or how does that person sitting behind me who really needs to repent, how does he repent? But how, how do I repent? Let's own this together this morning. Let's see in these two verses how we can repent, how you can repent, how I can repent. And before I get there, let me just say this. There will be no restoration in your life without repentance. So if that's too heavy of a statement to consider today, just check out these next seven minutes. But if you're longing for restoration in your life, joy, freedom, purity, relationships, marriage, walk with Jesus, grace, patience, self-control, discipline, then stay with me here. How do I repent? Here's the first thing. I grieve over my sin. A heartfelt sorrow. Tears. Anguish over my sin. This is what Paul says in verse nine and says again in verse verse 10. You, you, You grieved over your sin you grieved into repenting it says in the middle of verse verse 9 verse 10 this this godly grief that you had you grieved over your sin it produced this repentance that then led to salvation a salvation without regret so to grieve over your sin is is quite literally in the greek here this internal hurt this anguish in your soul a heaviness Here's what I've done. Here's what I've said. Here's what I've thought. And God, my heart hurts considering what I've done. Here's the second thing. How do I repent? I grieve over my sin and then I grow in disgust over sin. Now, this is what Paul is saying here in, in verse 11. In fact, two times, really, two words here in verse 11 that this earnestness is, is kind of this baseline word. I'm just, I am so serious about this grief. I'm so serious about this sin that this earnestness to, to push away, to be disgusted over the sin. There's another word here that, that makes a little bit more sense to us. What indignation, almost the very end of verse 11, what indignation. In other words, what opposition we have to sin. It is a diligence, it's this urgency to be done with the addiction, to be done with the stronghold, to be done with the habit, to be done with the sin. That's not who I am, that's not who I'm going to be. I'm disgusted over the sin. Here's another heavy statement. Until I'm disgusted over my sin, I will always stay in that sin. Now you own it. If you're not disgusted over sin, you will always stay in that sin. How do I repent? I I grieve over my sin. I grow in disgust over my sin. This is important as well. I repair relationships affected by my sin. I go back to work on those relationships that were hurt, whether in my family or in, in my marriage or in my friendships, or at work, or at school, I go back and repair these relationships affected by sin. Verse 11, there's a great little phrase there. It says there, clear yourselves. Be eager, have an eagerness to clear yourselves. This Greek word, you're gonna recognize it immediately in English. Apologia. Apologize. For those you've wounded, for those you've hurt, for relationships that you have fractured. For pain, and grief that you have brought to others because of your sin, your choice. I think about um, Zacchaeus, right? The wee little man. There's a part that we we don't sing in that song as, as a kid and it's after Zacchaeus was repentant and his life intersected with the life of Jesus and Jesus gave him a brand new start. You know what Zacchaeus said? I need to go back and pay back everyone I stole from. Remember the number? fourfold he so desperately wanted to, to fix the fallout from his sin he wanted to go back to all those people he had stolen from as a tax collector and repair those relationships and restore those relationships and so there are, there are times in life and maybe even today maybe even this week there needs to be an energetic pursuit to fix the fallout of our sin i was wrong when i said that to you I was wrong when I did that to you. And I'm not blame shifting. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not giving any kind of excuses. I said something I should not have said. It did not reflect the presence of Christ in me. I did something I should not have done. It does not reflect the presence of Christ in me. How rare apologies have come today. But to own that, to repair relationships that are affected by Sin by your sin, by my sin as you own that. Here's here's the fourth thing. Ask for and practice personal revival. And I think it starts with asking for. Therefore, I put that first. Ask for and practice personal revival. There's three phrases that Paul uses right here in verse 11. I love these three phrases. He says, what fear, what longing, what zeal? What does it mean to, to fear God? It means to be careful to do everything he has asked for you to do. What longing, to to long to obey God, longing to to honor God, longing to to know God. Here's a part of repentance we don't think about a whole lot. In repentance, there's a spiritual awakening in your heart where you get up in the morning and you long to be with God. You get up in the morning and you long to be in his word and you long to be with his people. This is a part of repentance. Repentance. It's a spiritual awakening. Maybe this is why we did not talk about repentance a whole lot growing up, or maybe even here at Highland, because we always think repentance is beating yourself up, throwing ashes on your head and 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 running around and and ripping clothes and in great grief. But I love this about repentance. It's a spiritual awakening. What fear, what longing, what zeal. I'm now alive because of this repentance. Here's the fifth thing, and I think perhaps the most important thing. Move forward without looking back. See, that's the beautiful part of repentance. This is is the powerful part of repentance. You can move forward now without looking back, not not living a life of regrets over over yesterday, over the past, and this is what Paul is saying in, in verse 10. For godly grief, it produces a repentance. It leads to salvation, the rescue with out regret, move forward without looking back. Some people, maybe you, some people live the entirety of their lives wishing they would have lived differently. There are some people they, they spend the entirety of their lives just living in this regret. Can I tell everyone in this house, you're gonna live in one of two places, one of two areas. You're either gonna live in regret or you're gonna live in God's grace. It'll be one of those two places. But in repentance, we get to move forward without looking back. Brother and sister, hear me well in this one. don't, don't remind God Of sin that he's already forgiven you of. You don't need to keep bringing that up. You need to move forward, you need to stop looking back. So last week, I gave you number one. Here's the the series title, Restore to Me, starting over. The first thing we said last week is restoration begins with brokenness over our flaws, over our inadequacies and and, in view of or in light of the holiness of God. But here's the second thing from this morning you might wanna consider with me. Grieve over sin, yes. And then move forward in his grace. For his grace flows to a place of Repentance. Grieve over your sin, then move forward in grace, in his grace. For his grace flows to that place of repentance. I wanna read for you the rest of the story. Would you mind standing as I do so? When he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. So I will arise and I will go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. I have sinned before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let's eat and let's celebrate for this my son was dead and he is alive again he was lost and is found and they began to celebrate good news to every broken daughter here today and every broken son here today you can go home and there's a father whose arms are wide open to receive you for he will not cast out a repentant heart he will not despise a contrite spirit so what do we do with this passage weep Weep over your sin. Grieve over your sin. Ask God to make you disgusted with your sin. And go home. Move to God in grace. grace always flows to a place of repentance. Would you pray with me, please? Father, we thank you for your word to us today. It's a call to repent. It's been too long. A call to grieve over our sin, to, to weep, to kneel before you, to confess before you but also to renew our love for you today, Jesus, and to move forward, not looking back. So God, I pray for courage and strength and power in your daughters and your sons to confess today and to weep and grieve over our sin, over where we have missed the mark, where we have been off standard. We've been impure, we've been undisciplined. We've been apathetic in our walk with you. God, we repent. We change our hearts. We change our minds, and therefore our actions will be changed. We move forward, not looking back with regrets. Praise you for your grace today. In Christ, we believe.